0: Good morning and welcome to the Truth in Love radio broadcast. This program has been a part of the Mid-South for the last 70 years, faithfully overseen by the Getwell Church of Christ. Truth in Love will carry on lifting up the banner of New Testament Christianity today to the Mid-South area under the oversight of the Olive Branch Church of Christ. Please join us now as Mike Hickson opens the Bible and shares the truth in love.
1: The best this life has to offer is to live in Christ. I would suggest to you today that the Christian life is the best life possible. The reason is because it is the blessed life. In Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 3, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the saints in Ephesus, said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul simply acknowledging the fact that every spiritual blessing known to man resides exclusively in one place, that's in Christ. In the book of Ephesians, the phrase in Christ or its equivalent is found about 35 times, which would suggest to us that to be in Christ is to be in a very unique position in life. In other words, it's to be in a very special place because it's in Christ that all of our spiritual blessings are afforded. What I want to do today in our study is talk for a moment or two about the blessings of redemption. To understand that God has lavished upon us, that is the human family, the blessings of redemption. To allow us fellowship with Him. In Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 7, Paul said, In Him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of of his grace. Let's begin our study by first and foremost talking about the person of our salvation. Now again, Paul said, in him, that is, in Christ. Jesus Christ is the sole source of salvation. In other words, God the Father was the originating cause of our salvation, but Jesus was the sacrificial cause of our salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth with a heaven-sent mission. That mission was to die for the sins of the human family. You remember, for example, back in the book of Romans in chapter 1, Paul points out that the Gentile world, they were in sin. In chapter 2, Paul would simply say that the Jewish world, they too were in sin. In chapter 3, the conclusion There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The fact of the matter is, sin separates us from God, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. John would say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, that sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the answer. So you hear Jesus in the long ago saying, I've come to seek and to save the lost. I think about Jesus in the shadow of the cross saying many, many years ago, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Did Jesus understand the reason for coming to planet earth? Well, the answer is absolutely. The Lord Jesus knew that he was the one that would ultimately bring salvation to a world that had been cursed by sin. Now, sin made its inception into the world, in the garden. You remember God had said to the very first couple, they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Well, chapter 3 tells us that the serpent, Satan, beguiled Mother Eve, deceived her. She was then taken in transgression. Adam likewise sinned. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God began unveiling his redemptive plan. Now, some might ask the question, What about this redemptive plan? What was so necessary about this plan being unveiled? You have to understand something. When God created man, God did not create create us as robots, but rather God housed within the human family the ability to make choices in life. And so God recognized that in creating man, that there would be the possibility that man at some point in time would make the wrong choices in life, thereby bringing sin into the world standing thus standing in need of a savior so in genesis 3:15 when the first couple sinned god immediately began unveiling that plan to redeem the human family now you remember john in revelation chapter 13:8 identifies jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world god decreed before time began that he would save all people in his son, Jesus Christ. And so he sent Christ into the world to redeem us from sin. I can't help but think about the words of Paul in Romans chapter 5 at verse 6, when Paul said, When we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, But God commendeth his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul would say in about verse 19 that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus came so that we might enjoy fellowship with the Father. And so he was the agent of reconciliation. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 16, Paul said that Jesus Christ reconciled both, that is, Jew and Gentile, in one body under God through the cross. The cross ultimately is what brought both Jew and Gentile together in the one body known as the church. You remember during the earthly teaching of Jesus, he said in John chapter 14 at verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If we want to enjoy fellowship with God the Father, the only one that can provide us access is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so Jesus came so that we might have hope. Now, to understand, in a day and time when political correctness reigns supreme, when individuals have bought into pluralism, the idea that there are many roads that lead to salvation, and that there might be many saviors. well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I think about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 when they threw the gauntlet down in the presence of the Sanhedrin council. They had healed a man at the gate of the temple, a lame man, so they were brought before the Sanhedrin council interrogated as to by what power or what name this man had been made whole. And they acknowledged that it was through Jesus Christ and you remember in verse 12, they said, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name unto heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If we want to be saved, the only one who can save us is Jesus. Jesus was and is God's answer to the problem of sin. Back in the book of Matthew chapter 1, I mentioned a moment ago Genesis 3.15 and the unveiling of God's redemptive plan, the promised seed. That promise was fulfilled in Christ. You remember in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible tells us that an angel said to Joseph in the long ago that that which was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit, that she would bring forth a son. His name would be called Jesus. And then note this, he shall save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. God is interested in the human family, so much so that he invested in us. How so? By sending his son. You remember Paul would write in Romans chapter 8 that God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How grateful we ought to be that God has showered upon us, that is, members of the human family, his divine grace, mercy, and love. In Titus chapter 2, the Bible says that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man. Did you know that God is interested in you as a human being, that God desires that you enjoy fellowship with him, and ultimately that you spend eternity with him a place called heaven. Well, how do I know that? Because in 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4, the Bible says that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Note if you would, that three-letter word, all. God would have all men to be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 9, Peter said, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God values you highly. God loves you. God desires the very best for you. And as I said a minute ago, the best life is the Christian life because it is the blessed life. And all those spiritual blessings are in Christ. Now, again, Paul said, in him, we have redemption. We've talked about the person of salvation. But secondly, let's note and consider for a moment or two the place of salvation. Paul again said, in him, in whom we have redemption. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. I suspect that most folks in the religious world would be in agreement that salvation is in Christ. The problem, however, is that there are some who fail to understand how we get into Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10, Paul said, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. But they may obtain salvation, listen to him, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. To understand that salvation is located exclusively in one place, that's in Jesus. So here's the question. How then do we get into Christ Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us. We're not left to wonder. In Romans chapter 6 at verse 3, Paul writes, Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So we are baptized into Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, you recall the apostle Paul said, We're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, look at what he said as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. So again, the question, how do we get into Christ? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, we're baptized into Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul would say in verse 27, again, we're baptized into Christ. It's in that context that Paul would say there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ. And Paul said, if you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. God made a promise to Abraham, that patriarch in days gone by, that through his seed line, all nations, all families of the earth would be blessed. That promise was realized in Jesus. That's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, that if you are Abraham's seed, you're heirs according to the promise. To be in Jesus Christ is to be in a very special place, as I said a minute ago. Now, there's only one way to get into Christ, and that is by being baptized into Christ. Now, to understand that our baptism into Christ is preceded by faith in the Lord or belief in the Lord. There are some today who would tell you it really doesn't matter whether or not you come to understand Jesus as the Son of God. And yet, here's what the Lord said. Except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. In other words, unless you come to to understand that I am the eternal self-existent one, you will die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. Now, there are those, as I said a moment ago, that have this idea that it really doesn't matter whether or not you conclude Jesus is the Son of God. Some would say it wouldn't matter to the Lord. Well, if I go back and look at Matthew chapter 16, I hear Jesus asking the disciples in Caesarea Philippi, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus then asked, but whom do you say that I am? And you remember the Bible tells us that Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus then replied to that statement by saying, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And based upon that bedrock statement that Jesus is the Son of the living God, he then said, And I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus here promising to build the church. Now the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 at verse 28, not only did he build the church, He bought it with his blood, and it belongs to him because it is the blood-bought body of the Lord. Salvation in Christ. The only way that that we can get into Christ is through baptism. So first and foremost, we have to believe in Christ. Now, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, verse 17. Paul instructs us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7 that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. So we have to establish the importance of faith in Christ, and then we are to repent. You remember on Pentecost Day, those who had assembled in Jerusalem to observe Pentecost. The Bible tells us that Peter and the apostles preached the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. They went on to establish the fact that Jesus had been coronated in heaven, seated at the right hand of God where he welds all authority. Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, all authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And God, the father said, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountaintop, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased hear him. So it's in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is now in heaven, that they had, that is those who had were assembled in Jerusalem, that they had put to death God's only son. The Bible tells us that they were convicted of sin, pricked in their heart, and they wanted to know, men and brethren, what shall we do? And You remember what Peter said? Peter said, number one, you need to repent. Repentance is a change of mind followed by a change in our actions. Paul would say in Acts chapter 17 in verse 30, to those who were assembled in Athens, or To those who were living in Athens. He said the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why, Paul? Because he's appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, given assurance unto all, and that he raised him from the dead. That's found in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. So we believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We are instructed to repent of our sins. And then we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart. And what is that? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And then we're baptized into Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the passage I mentioned a moment ago, Peter said you need to repent. And he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Peter, as you well know, had been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Not only did Peter receive the keys of the kingdom, but the apostles as a whole were the recipients of these keys. Now, keys signify authority. On Pentecost day, when they wanted to know, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter took the keys of the kingdom and unlocked the doors. So that those who complied with the terms of admission could enter the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible says in verse 41 that some 3,000 people obeyed the gospel on that day. They were baptized into Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Bible tells us that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Here's a question Who then were the saved? They were members of the church. Well, who then were members of the church? The answer? The saved. Those who were baptized into Christ, they became members of the body of Christ. Now listen, back in John chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Nicodemus approached Jesus at night on one occasion, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles or signs which you're doing unless God be with him. And you remember Jesus said in John chapter 3 at verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus thought he was talking about a physical birth. And so he asked the question, how can a man, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Down in verse nine, here's what Jesus said. Marvel not that I say to you, You must be born again. What does it mean to be born of the water and the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit was the revealing cause of salvation. And so it is through the words of Scripture that we come to understand the terms of admission into the kingdom of God. Well, what are those terms? Belief in Jesus as the Son of God, repentance of sin, confessing the name of Christ, and then being immersed or buried in a watery grave of baptism, Colossians chapter 2 at verse 12, wherein we rise to walk in newness of life. Now somebody might say, now wait a minute, I thought the blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. Well, the Bible teaches that redemption is based upon the blood of Christ. Paul said, in him we have redemption through his blood. All right, so we've talked about the person of salvation, the place of salvation, but what about the price of salvation? Now, bear in mind, all of this is interconnected. We are saved as a result of the shed blood of Jesus, God's only only begotten Son. You remember, for example, in Revelation chapter 1 at verse 5, John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The blood of Christ is what cleanses us from all sin. When Jesus celebrated the Passover feast with his disciples, as recorded by Matthew in chapter 26, you remember he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Okay, question. Why did Jesus shed his blood on Calvary? so that we might enjoy the remission of sins. The same phrase found in Matthew chapter 26 is found in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, when Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, here it is, for the remission of your sins. That is, so that your sins might be forgiven. Well, what about the blood of Christ? Well, if we're going to appropriate the blood of Christ, because the blood of Christ is what washes away sins. That's what John said. Revelation chapter one, verse five, Paul in Ephesians one, seven said, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So if Jesus shed his blood in death, that means we've got to go where it was shed so that we might gain access to that cleansing blood. So in Romans chapter six at verse three, Paul would write, Know ye not that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized, listen to him, into his death. We're baptized into the death of Jesus wherein we appropriate the benefits and blessings of his cleansing blood. You can't be saved without the shedding of blood. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Our forgiveness contingent upon our accessing that blood. And the only way that we can access that blood is by obeying the gospel. Now, I want you to think about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. There are a lot of people today, they dismiss the importance of being baptized into Christ. Some will tell you right up front, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus was the son of God? And based upon that, do you believe that he spoke authoritatively? You remember again what the Lord said, Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And Jesus now sits at the right hand of the father where he wields all authority. And God, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him, Matthew chapter 17, verse five. So here's what Jesus said. He that believeth, number one, and is baptized, number two, shall be saved, number three. Can you understand that? Very easy to understand the teaching of Jesus. Now, to those who say you don't have to be baptized to be saved, did you know that that is in direct contradiction to what the Son of God said, the one who wields all authority, the one of whom the Father said we are to hear? Now, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And then In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when the church began the very first gospel sermon being preached in all of its fullness, and they want to know, Men and brethren, what shall we do? I can tell you what they didn't hear. They didn't hear Peter and the apostles say, Everybody bow your head, receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, and you'll be saved. No, that's not what the Bible says. No, the Bible says they were instructed to repent and be baptized so that they might enjoy the remission of the forgiveness of their sins. I can look over in Acts chapter twenty-two, sixteen. 16. Paul recounting his conversion to Christ. And bear in mind that Saul of Tarsus for three days was fasting and praying. Here's a question. Was he saved at that point in time? Well, Ananias came on the scene and Ananias said, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Now listen to him and wash away your sins. When were Saul's sins washed away? Not until he obeyed the gospel. Not until he was baptized into Christ. Now listen, once you're baptized into Christ, you contact the blood of Christ, and you are added to the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2 at verse 47, the Bible tells us that the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. I hear people today saying that you really don't have to have any kind of formal relationship with the church in order to be saved. That you can have a relationship with Jesus separate and apart from the church. Well, listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. No, the Bible teaches us that those who have been baptized into Christ, they have been added to the body of Christ. When does that occur when they're baptized? In First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul said, by one spirit were y'all baptized. listen to him, into one body. Well, what's the body? He's the head of the body of the church, Colossians 1.18. How many churches are there? Paul said in Ephesians 4 verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, or over all. There is only one one body or one church and those who access the blood of christ are added to the church in acts chapter 5 verse 14 luke said and the believers were increasingly added to the lord well how were they added to the lord they did what the bible said to do back in acts chapter 2 at verse 38 they were baptized into christ and the lord added them to the church and he'll do the same for you today. If you'll obey the gospel, you can enjoy the benefits and the blessings of God's redemptive plan. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, Paul said, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So we have the person of salvation, the place of salvation, we have the price of our salvation, and then we ought to live in praise to Almighty God. No wonder Paul said that all of this is according to the riches of his grace. In Ephesians 1.6, Paul says to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Thank God for the death of Jesus on Calvary and the hope that we have through him. Hope to see you back here again next week. Until then, God bless.
0: Thank you for listening today. We would love to have you visit with us at the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandridge Road, Olive Branch, Mississippi, 38654. We meet for Sunday Bible study at 9 a.m. Worship is at 10 a.m. Sunday afternoon study is at 1 p.m. Tuesday morning class, Bible class, is at 10 a.m. Wednesday evening Bible class at 7 p.m. Please visit our website, www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org.